0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Here's what we're going to look at today. Uh, Here's the two questions. After we're saved, does our mind become a battlefield? Is there a battle for our minds? So we're going to look at that today and it is important to know that uh, the answer to those questions and does our mind become a battlefield and and is there a battle going on well the bigger picture out in the world would say that there's a battle for every single person's mind that lives on the earth but there's also a battle for Christians once they get saved but if you think about what's going on on the world I mean hey if the devil can get somebody to kill a bunch of people and be a serial killer if he can do that in their minds and get them to that degree he, he did his job because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So, you know, he's out there doing that, and there is a battle going on in the world for, with everyone. But then, yet there is this other battle with Christians once they get saved. So maybe you've heard it before that the, the, the mind is a battlefield, the battle for the mind. That's what we're going to look at, at today. So here's a statement that there is a battle for the mind which is taking place in the mind and that's a a, a way to say it you know there's there's always a battle for the mind but that battle and everything that's going on in a Christian's life it's going on in your mind so what we're calling today uh, is the battle for your mind that's easy so here's a quote from Dr. Carolyn Leaf and she says a massive body of research collectively shows that up to eighty percent of physical, emotional and mental health issues today could be a direct result of our thought lives. So let that soak in a little bit. 80% is a really high number. So 80% of physical. So think about that. When we do the right thing with our mind, it affects our physical body. When we do the right thing with our mind, it has something to do with our emotional condition. When we do the right thing with our mind, it has something to do with our uh, mental health. Okay, so that's that's really a big thing there. So we could say that a lot of our issues could be solved if we do the right thing with our mind. All right. So we're looking into that today. So <clears throat> the first thing that we want to do is we want to do a contrast, and we want to contrast the spirit and the flesh. Now you might say, well, what does that have to do with the mind? As I was growing up, I wasn't a Christian, so I didn't know as I was growing up that we're a three-part being. I didn't know that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. No one ever told me that, and I never found that out until I uh, went to church and got into God's Word. Much of the world doesn't know, and even the educational systems around the world, they don't know that we're a three-part being. I'm sure many of you that went to school did not learn that in school unless you went to a Christian school. But out there where there's no Christianity, people don't know that we're a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. That's revelation that only comes with God in the Bible. So you can understand that it, 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 this kind of information would even radically change the education system of the world if people knew those kind of things, okay? so there. This So what we're talking about right now, it does have something to do with our mind. So the first thing we want to do to uh, help us get this is we want to contrast the spirit and the flesh. So Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 24, it says, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Okay, I love the way that says it. So when you become a Christian, uh, and we sang it, we sing these songs... But this is the Bible telling us you're created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's not a false self-righteousness, but it is a true righteousness and a true holiness because self-righteousness turns everybody off. It turns the world off and it would turn Christians off. Self-righteousness is ugly, but true righteousness is attractive, okay? And true holiness is attractive. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, there were multitudes of people that wanted to be around him, and he didn't sin one time. Think about true holiness and righteousness that people chased after Jesus, and he never said a cuss word, he never displayed a bad attitude, he never did anything wrong, and everyone wanted to be around him. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says about Jesus that he, he had more joy than anybody on the earth at the time. He was a happy guy. You know, if you ever watch a movie about Jesus and he's walking around with a sour face, that's, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> Jesus was not a sourpuss. You know, he was a happy guy. And everyone wanted to be around him. Christianity can be attractive. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So Here's another translation of that scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24. It says, and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you that's the same uh, scripture a different translation I like that working itself God's God's life working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you you know you can't make yourself good but when he gets in us he can reproduce his character in us because it's his life It's an impartation of holiness. It's an impartation of life. So we just wanted to look at those two scriptures to show us that's the new you. That's who a Christian is. But then now look at this one in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, the first part of that verse. It says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. So you have the spirit that's created in true righteousness and holiness, but then you have the flesh, and he says nothing good dwells in the flesh those are those the contrast there all right. the spirit the flesh sometimes people wonder why Christians do something wrong well there's the answer you know and there's people out there that they wait for Christians to fall and of course the world wants to like go after the Christians they made a mistake we knew that they were phonies we knew they were hypocrites and all this other stuff and a Christian has a a battle going on they got the flesh and they got the spirit and sometimes they do make a mistake but you know what the world doesn't know is that God will cleanse and forgive them when they make that mistake okay well that's just another thought there but here's what we get from these two scriptures what we know about ourselves from these two scriptures we are created after the likeness of God God makes us righteous and imparts holiness in us that's what we see about the spirit that we're created after the likeness of God, God makes us righteous and imparts holiness in us. But then we also saw that our flesh doesn't change in the least. Our flesh looks the same and wants to behave the same. Now I want to make a little distinction there. My father, um, my father was an alcoholic before he got saved. He just received a bad report that he had cirrhosis of the liver in its early stages. Okay so this and so he came to church because he thought we got into a cult and he wanted to check us and see if we're in a cult so he start coming to the church that we were going to the our whole family got saved i had five brothers we're all saved now my mother's saved and we're all going to a a pentecostal church and my father's the only one that's not saved he gets a report that he has cirrhosis of the liver in its early stages because he's an alcoholic so he's concerned about that well he shows up at church and he comes three weeks in a row on the third Sunday which was Easter Sunday which is how cool is that Uh, when they gave the altar call my father raised both hands to get saved he came up and and the pastor there prayed for him and it's a smaller church so everybody knew that was my father and they're like thinking this is exactly what you were believing for. Your father's saved, the whole family's saved now. And they all came up and they're all excited and they're hugging my father and they're crying and they're going, I love you, Mr. Caminetti. And he's just like, like this, no emotions. That, he's a little different now. He, he does show some emotion. But he's just like this, like, I love you too. You know? <laughs> you know, but he got, the thing is, he went to the doctor the next week and here's what I want to say. The doctor checked him And he said, I don't know what happened, but your liver is normal. You do not have cirrhosis any longer. He was healed and saved right there at the same time. Okay? So, when I say that our flesh doesn't change in the least, I'm really talking about looks. So, you know, so in other words, like, ladies, wouldn't it be great if you got saved that you didn't have to, that you had permanent makeup come on your face and you didn't have to put it on and take it off? you know, the, the, that, that job of putting it on perfectly and then having to take it off. So when you get saved, I mean, that's like one of, and then a permanent hairdo, just think, that when you get saved, you can get a permanent hairdo, never have to do anything with your hair, you know? And then like, what about us guys, you know, you get saved and like immediately you get a six pack, you know, and you get like big arms, you know, and, but th- that doesn't happen. Wouldn't it be great if it did happen? So our flesh looks the same, okay, it doesn't change in the least, and then uh, then also what we see is our flesh wants to do the same things that it used to do and that's what paul was saying that the flesh will still want to do what it used to do so you so what we have here that that then leaves this question where does that leave the mind what about the mind and i'm glad you asked that so we want to look at that right now so in galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 this scripture will help us get into it it says for the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh for these are in opposition to each other so that you cannot do what you want okay so that makes it really clear you have the flesh and you have the spirit and they are in opposition with each other and so the flesh and the spirit wanting to do different things opposing each other so I I like what um, Matthew Henry, the commentary says about this because that can paint like a hopeless picture but we don't take it that way so look at what Matthew Henry says he said, if it be our care to act under the guidance and power of the blessed spirit though we may not be freed from the stirrings and oppositions of the corrupt nature which remains in us it shall not have dominion over us I like that because the Bible says that we're not under the law but we're under grace and it says sin will not have dominion over us because we are under grace and not the law so this scripture even though it reveals to us there's opposition our flesh wants to do one thing and our our born-again spirit wants to do another thing okay so where does that come and leave us at Uh, well we're gonna look in a minute but here's the answer to two questions that we asked The answer is yes, our mind becomes a battlefield after we're saved. And yes, there is a battle for our minds after we are saved. So those two questions are yes and yes. All right, But then now right in the middle of the flesh and the spirit, we have our minds. And what we do with our minds will be the key to the winner of the flesh and the spirit. Who's going to win? Is our flesh going to win or is our spirit going to win? What we do with our mind, that's the key to that so look at this uh, what we put up there it, this kind of shows us this is man or woman or and so what you see there is you have the flesh and you have the spirit and then you have those arrows because the flesh will be feeding things to the mind and the spirit and God's word will be feeding things to the mind okay and then there's these outside influences you know like there's the, there is a devil and demons and then there's information out there. There's a lot of different voices and a lot of different information out there. You know, uh, the education system and the way that they educate children. You know, there's a lot, lot of false education out there uh, in the world today and what they're teaching in, in colleges and schools. Uh, so we, you have to understand that's out there. But thank God that we can put truth into our children. All right, so a way to illustrate that, uh, this is there's two fighters and there's going to be a fight three months from now and whether it's a boxing or a kicking whatever whatever kind of fight so the one fighter has a natural path that is a specialist with nutrition a lot of money they hire a natural path to cook excellent food with protein and and all the vitamins they need but the other fighter now doesn't have that the other fighters poor and the other fighter cooks and buys very, like, packaged food with no nutrition in it. So they eat that way for three months. When it comes time to fight, who do you think is going to be stronger when they fight? Is it going to be the one that ate the excellent food? Or is it going to be the one that hardly ate anything with no nutrition? Well, you know the one that ate really well. What, whoever fed good is going to be the strongest. Well, we can say this. Like, we can feed our flesh or we could feed our spirit when we feed the flesh more than the spirit the flesh and the mind kinda gang up and they dominate the spirit but when we are feeding our spirit and the flesh and we are renewing our mind they gang up and they dominate the flesh and so the Bible even tells us to put under our flesh Uh, the scriptures right there in the Bible but it says that we We mortify, we put to death the deeds of our flesh by the Spirit. In other words, you can't do it with your own power. You can't can't modify your behavior. There has to be a transformation for your behavior to change. And we'll get there, okay? Another way we can say this is a mountain, a, a molehill becoming a mountain, okay? And you've probably heard this as you were growing up. But, you know, this whole thing about the mohill becomes a mountain. So, you know, like somebody with a very sincere heart that maybe isn't that good at saying things, so something comes out of their mouth when they're talking to you, and it doesn't come out quite right, and it's offensive. Okay? So, you, they didn't mean it that way, so they go on and they forget that they said it, and in their minds, everything's good between you and them, but you heard it, and you start thinking about that. You know, I had that happen one time, like, somebody told me that, that I wasn't as big and strong as Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I thought, the nerve of you, I dare you, say that to me, that I'm not, that I don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and I just thought about it, and I thought, and the next time I saw them, they even looked different, the people that said that, they looked like ugly, and then... A week later, I kept thinking about it and feeding, and then I saw them again, and it's like they, they grew, war- they had warts on their face, warts coming out. The next time I saw them a week, they had a witch hat on, you know, and you get my point. You know, you just feed, you make a, 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 you make a, a little thing, a molehill becomes a mountain because you fed it and you fed it and you fed it. And so, you know, like what we feed on will become the biggest and strongest thing going on. So it's like what you feed on is really important, okay? And we're going to look into it. So with that said, let's talk about <clears throat> winning the battle for our mind, for the mind. Let's, let's just, three points. We're just going to look at three things today, okay? The first one is this. Be rooted in God's love and forgiveness. Be rooted in God's love and forgiveness. Now, you might think, I thought you were talking about renewing the mind and the mind, and what does this have to do with that? And, and I'll tell you what it has to do If we're not rooted in the love of God and we don't understand forgiveness, we probably, most Christians will never have a chance. And you say, well, why is that? Because, well, I don't know any Christians so far that as long as I've been saved, that's perfect. And you know, and you guys know sitting there, whether you wanna admit it or not, none none of you guys are perfect, including I'm not, none of us are perfect. So you all know that you have thought the wrong things, you've said the wrong things, and you've done the wrong things. Now let me ask you a question if you think that god gets mad at you and he doesn't love you when you do that and if you don't know that he will forgive you instantly when you go to him what do you do you run from god what happens when you run from god it's hopeless you there's only one person that can fix us and that's god and as soon as you run from god you're you're not going to get fixed in the old testament you know god gave the law The Bible says the law was a schoolmaster to lead them to Christ. In other words, the law was a bunch of do's and don'ts and it showed people that they could not live up to God's standard. And when they saw that, they thought, we need a Savior. It was a schoolmaster to teach them that they needed a Savior. That was what the law was. So we have to understand that uh, it's nothing is really different right now that even if you're a Christian, you won't ever be perfect. There was only one that was perfect and that was Jesus. So it's really the first thing... No, I would say that no matter what subject we're teaching, we could put this point before any other point, that we have to know that God is love, and we have to know that He loves us all the time. And we have to know then that He will forgive us, and then we also should know that His love is what will change us. In other words, he is, we're not going to change by Him beating us and telling us what we do wrong all the time. You know, just a little thought even is... With parenting. Just like we grown ups, you know, young ones like me, old ones like some of you, just joking. <laughs> Simeon, why did you laugh? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, we have to know as parent like, if us older people are, if we get afraid of God and we want to run from him and we don't know whether or not God is there with open arms to forgive us what do we do Well, we run but just think about children like is parenting like if our children don't know that we love them no matter what and if our children if we put any kind of shame or guilt on them they'll want to run away and so if God doesn't put shame or guilt on us then even If you grew up in a different time you know we're in a different time now but there were when I grew up people were tougher I mean it was in your face and it was boom 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 you know that's how I grew up you know and I I think I'm okay no but um (laughs) but but that's how I grew up okay and but but here's the thing like we're in a different but God is always God doesn't change he's always the same And so people have to know, and our children in particular, they have to know that if they disobey us, that we're not gonna put guilt and shame on them. They have to know they can run to us. And then they have to know that we will say, okay, you did the wrong thing and I forgive you. And now how can I help you? And that's just the way that God is, okay? So that is the first thing and that's very significant, okay? Now let's talk about the next one. Uh, And the next one is this, offer up the flesh. And and you say, where does that come from? Well, it's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And it says, therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, you notice there that it's very interesting that it says to present your body, okay, as a living sacrifice, as a sacrifice, okay? So here is a story with Abraham and Isaac. let's We'll read it real quickly and make a comment. It's in Genesis 22 and verse 9. It really illustrates this. Uh, It says, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the woods. Just notice how he bound his own son and laid him on the altar. And then verse 22 and verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now. I know that you fear God. Now look at this, scene. you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Well, I know that when we had our children, and you parents would understand this, who could you love more than your own child? It's like your flesh and blood. And I think any of your parents, any of you that are parents, like you would give your life for your children's child's life. I don't think many parents would hesitate if it's between one or the other, take me, don't touch my daughters. You know what I'm saying? Because that's just how we love our children. So here is Abraham, and the Lord tells him he has to go and build an altar and put his son there and kill him and burn him like a sacrifice it was probably the very thing abraham loved more than anything the lord said i want that so here it's saying to us if we look at that scripture I, i it says by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a sacrifice so i want you to picture your body and I want you to picture you, you know, your, your body that you put yourself on an altar, like lay down on a slab of concrete or wood, you, you on there, seeing yourself there. It's like a, a picture of you offering yourself to God, your body. All right, think about that. And with those, and, and seeing yourself there, the very thing Abraham loved the most is what God said to offer up and you know our flesh and our bodies it can be that way we have a friend and, uh, and he's very doing very well in ministry to the degree uh, that he gave two different ministries that I know of a million dollar offering so you could say that he's very prosperous with money so money is not a problem for him in any kind of a way but I, I heard him say something that I took note of he said I make sure when I'm going to buy something to play with like a boat jet skis or toys you know I make sure I never buy a toy that will pull me away from God his call on my life and what I'm and how I'm to serve him I don't buy the wrong kinda toys it's not gonna pull me away from God and I took note here's somebody that has all the money that they need they could do anything but they make sure that they don't mess with their their dedication and consecration to God. They don't use their money that way. And it's so, it's like our offering up our body is like like a picture of what we love the most. Are we willing to let go of our life? And we all love our lives. We all love ourselves, I trust. Are we willing to give it all to God? And that's, so you first of all want to know that God loves you and he will forgive you. Secondly, you want to know this, that God really is asking us to put our bodies on the altar and give ourselves to him, okay? And I, if you notice there that he told Abraham, he said, you have not withheld your only son from me. The most precious thing he could have had, he was willing to give it. That's what the Lord is saying. Like, there's something about this that offering yourself to God is almost... A prerequisite to renew in your mind. It's kind of like if you want to hold, hold on to certain things, but yet you think, well, I'm going to renew my mind. Until you're willing to let go of it all, it's almost difficult to do point number three that we're going to look at soon. And so here, um, with that in mind, uh, here is a, something the Lord said to me yesterday as I was preparing, knowing how much God loves us moves us to make God our lives instead of working God into our lives. Okay? You get that? And it's really, my story is that I was doing my own thing, I was living like the devil, and I got saved. And I come from, I thought my family was somewhat stable, Versus dysfunctional. My parents were good. They weren't perfect. I had five, I had six brothers. One of them died, but we, there, we almost had fellowship built right into our house. We could stay home and have fun, you know, playing together. We were pretty stable that way. But when, when I got saved, man, I, I experienced love like I never experienced. When God, when His love hit me, it was like a whole different thing. And that love, that, when that hit me, it made me so much want to give everything to him so you can say well how hard is it to offer up my flesh how hard would that be and I'll say to you it's not as hard as it sounds and you say well why why do you say that and I say because God's love is what fuels us to be able to offer ourselves to him and that's what happened with me Being overwhelmed by God's love and knowing how much He loves us and how much He did for us and His sacrifice, that makes offering up our bodies easy. Okay? Let's look at the third thing then. Renew the mind. So renew the mind. So that's the next verse in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well pleasing and perfect? I'm going to read a quote from my brother in law that's it's very powerful. So listen to this. It says The blessings of God and the will of God are not only dependent on our dedication to God, but also on revelation. Sometimes we dedicate and rededicate until our dedicator seems worn out, okay? as important as dedication is we must also have revelation to do the will of God dedication to God is fueled by relevant rele- re- revelation of God I'll say that one more time dedication to God is fueled by revelation of God when the eyes of our heart are flooded with light great changes happen in our life I love that it's extremely powerful So, as I said, like many years ago, when I offered up myself to the Lord because His love hit me, and I offered myself to Him, that was great. But I have to say this, that what kept me on course, and and when I say that, I don't mean no one's perfect, but what kept me pursuing God and on course continually was revelation of who I, I am in Christ. It held me on course. Okay, so we're talking about the mind and this battle that's going on uh, in the, with the mind and for the mind. Okay, so, um, you know, we heard in the Bible it says, and Jesus made a, about, a comment about babes, you know, and how God reveals things to babes. So here, here's a thought from Pastor Youngie David Show. He says, the Holy Spirit does not talk to smart people. Now, what does he mean by that? Does he mean if you go to college, God will never talk to you? No. What he means by that is if we think we already know it, as far as God's word and, and the revelation in God's word, if we think we already know it, we're probably not going to get any more. So what Young Yi Cho was saying is, it's necessary to consistently humble ourselves so we can continue to receive revelation knowledge in the word. That's what he was saying. So it's important not to think we ever... We already know uh, everything. And then Lester Summerall said it a different way. He said, most Christians never progress beyond their initial revelation of God. Now, don't let that scare you or anything because if you, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to be in the category here of that. But you say, well, how can I make sure I'm not in that category? Well, just continue to humble yourself and sit under the Word and receive God's Word and you'll never be in that category. Okay, so we're going to, close up today and what I want to do is I want to give you the practical example of how you can do three things so it'll help you so here's the first thing we want to give an example of offering up our bodies okay so if you were to do that how would you do it well here's an example you go to God the Father and you say Father God your love has overwhelmed me I'm 100 percent yours you tell God you know talk to God like, I am 100%. Like, even some of you, you, you young ones, you know, that are younger, have you ever gone to, you know, like, like young people, like below 18 years, And have you ever gone to God and told God, I'm overwhelmed by your love and I'm 100% yours? Like, I'm your, I give myself to you. You know, it's important to do that at an early age. And then you tell the Lord, I want to eat, sleep, drink, and breathe you. That'll brand you, that'll, that'll set a course, that'll set your, a course for your life. Uh, desti- it'll, uh, it'll have something to do with your destiny, you know, young people. Going to God, saying, I'm, I give myself to you, I'm yours, I'm yours. Now, if you're here and you're saying, like, I'm a mother, and I have children to raise, I'm afraid to tell that to God, because what if he tells me to go on the mission field, and I got three young kids? what, what? So so here, let me tell you this. Every single person sitting in this room can say that to God because God knows you have three young kids and God isn't going to do something to mess everything up in your life. But all really God wants from us is to say at least we're willing. If we all did that, God knows how to process it. (laughs) He knows how to make it work. So all he really said, so that's just an example. How do, you, how do I offer up my body? There's an example. Let's look at another one. Uh, how do we, an example to do not be conformed to this world. Well, here's something that you can do. Dear Heavenly Father, I accept your command to not be conformed to this world, and it's a command. I accept, your, you said do not be conformed, it's a command. Heavenly Father, I accept that. I, I, I choose not to be conformed to this world. I don't want to think, talk, and act like my old self or like the world. I want to think, talk, and act like you. you just, just, tell, just telling that to God will make a difference. You know, you guys that have been to a lot of services, you know that before I got saved I was sad and miserable and that every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word. But when I experienced the love of God and I was touched that way and I saw that scripture, do not be conformed to this world, I accepted that command and I thought I don't want to think like the world I don't want to talk like the world and I don't want to act like the world and you know because of God being on the inside of me and empowered me I didn't want to cuss anymore and I and I mean you can live the way you want but I have made it a practice not even to say the little cuss words I don't want to say SH you know what I don't want to see say DA you know what I don't want to even say those words because I don't think Jesus would, if Jesus was walking on the earth, he wouldn't say the little ones either. You know, leave that with you. Just know that God loves you, and if you talk that way, he's, he is a good God and he'll cleanse you, but why, why say those little cuss words? God wants, you know, we dedicate, we give this to him, you know, clean up the mouth, the language, okay? And then let's just give an example of renewing the mind, okay? Okay? So renewing the mind, you can go to him and say, Heavenly Father, I humble myself to receive your word. The power, and you you know, acknowledge before God, the power not to be conformed to the world doesn't come from willpower. It's not my willpower, Lord. I know that I can't do it, but I know that it is not behavior modification, Lord, but it's transformation. Revelation knowledge that will transform me, will cause me to think differently, to talk differently, to act differently, Lord. I, I consecrate myself to even listen to your word. Father, when, when you talked to Peter, you said, if you love my sheep, teach, feed my sheep. Father, I choose to sit under your word and feed. I choose to take your word and chew it and feed on it, Lord. I know that revelation will transform me, and, and this is just a way to talk to him. So that's just like Three practical things that you can do that will make a huge difference forever. And if you think that I did do this one time, this is not a one-time thing. It's important to know it's just not one time. So I can tell the Lord these three things. I can do this tomorrow. I can do this tomorrow. You can do it. You can do this often. This is like some prayers you might pray one time. There's other prayers you can pray every day more than one time. You can do this. You can tell the Lord Throughout the day I'm hundred percent yours I'm hundred percent your tell it to God throughout the day I'm hundred percent yours tell God throughout the day I choose not to be conformed to this world you're working somewhere you're rubbing shoulders with somebody and they're effing that and effing this and you're working and rubbing shoulders you don't have to do that you don't have to condemn them condemning them will not get them saved you know that's not the way to help them but you don't have to partake you can actually love them the way God loves them while they're doing that You know, and that's the best way to start influencing them by continuing to love them and not be afraid of their lifestyle. But you don't have to, you know, give in to that. Because as soon as we start talking like the world with the world, we lose our influence. Okay. Thank you, Lord. So it's important to know that pursuing right behavior or conduct isn't where the power comes from to, to change, but revelation knowledge transforms us and that's where the power is father i thank you lord for everyone that's here today father thank you so much that uh, as we minister your word father we trust with all of our hearts lord that this word will make a difference in people's lives lord we trust you father god father we thank you that you're so good that you sent your son jesus to die for us And Lord, before we leave today, I just pray if there's anybody in this room and they're sitting here and they do not know Jesus Christ is their Savior, we trust you as a congregation, Lord, that you speak to them. That you let them know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. That you let them know, Father, and make it clear that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died, shed His blood, went to hell, took sin so we could be saved trust you to make that really clear Lord to anyone here that doesn't know Jesus father also if you just make this so clear where you said to us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead that we would be saved father I thank you for really making that clear that salvation comes by a confession and a belief that we believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and we confess him as our Lord. I thank you that you really make that clear to anyone sitting here, Lord. And I ask that in Jesus' name. If you're one of those sitting here and you're, you know that it's you and you're thinking, wow, it's like I feel the love of God. I feel something. Maybe that's, that is the love of God because something's really tugging on my heart and I just I sense that there's a pull, and I, and I sense love and I just I, I, I know that Jesus is the Savior and you're sitting here thinking those thoughts that's because God is dealing with you he's dealing with you and this is your time to respond to that and so we're going to pray a prayer right now this is your opportunity that you can pray this prayer and you can go from death to life you can come into the kingdom of God if you pray this prayer. So let's, I invite you to close your eyes and it's good to close our eyes because we can concentrate and pray from our hearts. So the whole congregation is going to pray this and you can say this with us, with your heart. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. You sent him for me. If I was the only person alive, you love me so much that you would have sent Jesus for me. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I call you Lord. You are Lord. God raised you from the dead. You are welcome in my heart. Thank you that you first loved me. And now, I can love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.